Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Good morning. Beautiful day. It's not sunshiny out there, but it's still a beautiful day because this is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, this is the first time I think I can remember in my 16 years of being here that we've been off on a Super Bowl Sunday night. You know when I found out it was a Super Bowl church? This morning, about 3 o'clock. I wish I'd have known. I don't care who makes the most baskets tonight in, in whatever game they're playing. It doesn't matter to me at all. Amen. There's those of us who have been way too busy in life to watch football. And then there's the rest of the, the people. We got a bunch of football watchers, don't we? Praise the Lord. Go ahead, be honest. You watch football. Raise your hand. We got about four of them. No, the rest of you guys, I'm just teasing. So, um, hey, I know everybody's excited about it. I just wish you to drop that $9,000 for an entry-level ticket. That's what somebody told me. $9,000 for an entry. I can't, I wouldn't pay $9. And they might even have a really good bratwurst. If they had a really good bratwurst in there, I might give $9 to go buy a, a, one of those bratwurst hot dogs. Those are really good. But um, I don't know. That's a lot of money. But there'll be a lot of things. I pray, though, that somehow tonight, I heard there's a lot of people on one of the teams that are real uh, godly. So I pray that, uh, and somehow God is glorified in it tonight. And uh, that people be safe. And uh, whatever you're doing tonight, I hope that God is glorified in it. That's what matters more than anything else. Can you believe we're at the point now when we're going to be through the book of Acts? Today's the last day. And I know it's, it's uh, some people it's exciting, exciting in the sense of it's a big sense of accomplishment. In 16 years, it's the second time we've been through the book of Acts. I wish we had, we lost um, like seven or eight years of messages. I preached through the book of Acts, preached through the book of uh, Exodus, Genesis. We had about six, seven or eight books that we preached through and we lost all of them. There was a crash with the server that held all of the messages and sadly we lost them. So I'm hoping that this time around we don't lose those and we can go back in the coming years uh, to things that especially minister because somebody will say, hey, that message was really powerful and it ministered to my heart and I want to share it with somebody. So just uh, continue to hang on to your notes. That's a good thing so you'll know when to go back to and uh, stay in your word. Stay in the word. That is God's method with which he speaks greater than anything else to us. God loves prayer. We're dealing with that in our, our study right now. In the young adult class, we have, you know, the, got the prayer aspect of it, which is really good, but that more than anything is our monologue to God, talking to God, desiring to, to God to hear our heart. God knows our hearts already, but he wants to hear from us. But then more importantly, as God then affirms scripture, leads us, guides us, directs us through scripture. So please stay consistently in, in God's word. There is no other way that you will discern the will of God. You might desire that God let the burning bushes happen in your life, God's word will do that. Don't ask God to do what 
God doesn't need to do anymore because in the Old Testament, why did God speak audibly? Why did God speak through burning bushes? Why was there a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? Remember? They didn't have the word. They didn't have God's word. We have God's word. So it's all the more important for us to allow God to speak to us instead of a monologue where we tell God what we want, but we refuse to let God speak to us. So I just want to challenge you in that as I do continually, consistently, still have more of the read through the Bible cards up here. Would love you to grab one. Doesn't cost you a penny. It will be the greatest thing though. It'll add more value to your life than anything ever could. Don't care if you retire with millions and millions of dollars. That'll do more than millions of dollars ever dreamed of doing. So just praise God for his word. Praise God for the ability we have to freely worship him this morning. All over the globe today, there's going to be people that cannot do what we do here. And we often take very flippantly. True story this morning in Africa, there'll be people that started walking long before you got up this morning that'll be getting to church shortly. They have risked attacks Attacks by animals, not only that, but the rival factions, but they risk everything every week to worship because it means that much to them. So I pray that your heart's in it today. You're not focused on what you're going to see on TV later on or anything else for that matter. You're focused on getting in God's presence because that's where the transforming work of God, it, it, it happens. That is where God leads us, guides us, directs us, challenges us, convicts us does all that God's word does. And when we delight ourselves in him, he gives us the desire of our heart, which is what? When we delight ourselves in him, we're wanting more of him. So I hope that is your prayer this morning as we finish the book of Acts. Turn your Bibles this morning to chapter 28. <clears throat> chapter 28, we're going to look at verses 23 through 31 this morning of the final study that the subtitle is The Final Stage. And we actually are watching Paul gets to Rome, and we're going to watch the, basically the final closing act of the book of Acts. But as we uh, get ready, I want to share with you what we looked at last time when we covered verses 7 through 10 last time. There are three things we looked at, which was number one, convicts welcomed by the power of God. We saw how God had divinely paved the door for these convicts that were on the boat that were going to be killed, but because of Paul, they let them live. Ended up being shipwrecked on Malta, God had that for his glory, used a, a reason. God allowed this to happen, and God paved the way for convicts to be welcomed. Just shows the power of God and how we need to realize in our life, if God is leading you to do something, God will remove any obstacle that's in your way. If you have a financial obstacle that you are wanting to do something for the kingdom, but there is an insurmountable financial need, God will meet that need. He will do it supernaturally. He'll do it so that you will give all the glory to him. Many times we think, you know, well, I had this money sitting uh, on the side over here and I used it, how powerful. It's so much easier for us to forget the power of God in that when we have something sitting there. But when God does the supernatural, meaning he provides in a way that we can never imagine, that is what's so profound and why God deserves the glory. He will orchestrate these things so that we give him the glory for what he deserves to be glorified in. And that's the picture of Paul being shipwrecked and how all of them should have died, could have died, and would have died. But God just moved them every step of the way to where God led them to. And then number two was God showed his healing power to reveal his saving power. We saw that viper that had attached itself to Paul's hand. He should literally have died from that. 
That was not something that was just some uh, garter snake or some uh, thing that, that had a lot of bark and no bite. That was a deadly viper. God, long story short, did not allow the effects of that so that it opened up the ears of the people to hear what Paul would share with them. And then uh, third and final thing we looked at, had Paul not been faithful <clears throat> to be led through the trials, there would never have been any triumphs. Each and everything that God did and allowed in Paul's life was ultimately to attest to the healing, the, the working, and the saving power of God. That is why God does what he does in our lives. He does that to be glorified. We, remember, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. When somebody says to you, wow, you, you this, that, and the other, and you are so amazing and you're that, don't take that glory. God allowed you to be placed in that position in their lives so that you will say, listen, all I can do is thank you for the blessing of being able to be used of God. God's the reason that I'm doing what I do. Even the heart to do something for someone that God's given us, the only way we can truly love is how? Is by knowing the Lord. The God that gave us love, that is the God that compels the love that we have. And the reason this morning, the love of God that is being demonstrated through us is a gift from God. And that's the reason that you see Paul right here. Paul has the love of God. He's demonstrating that in the very life that he lives. Sacrificial living, sacrificial service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hope you found this morning's scripture again in Acts chapter 28. We'll look at verses 23 through 31. And if you're physically able this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> After arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn till dusk, he expounded and witnessed about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit correctly spoke through the prophets Isaiah to your ancestors. When he said, go to these people and say, you will listen and listen, yet never understand, and you will look and look, yet never perceive. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing. They have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this saving work of God has been set apart, sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. After he said these things, the Jews departed while engaging in a prolonged debate among themselves. Then he stayed two whole years in his own rented house. He welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with full boldness and without hindrance." Father, thank you this morning for this privilege we have to be here on this beautiful Lord's Day, this Sabbath day. Father, your word we know will not return void. Father, we pray that it would pierce hearts, Lord, not only in this building, but all over the globe. The ones would hear the truth of the gospel today. Turn and repent, Father, for the sin that we were born in and profess faith in Jesus Christ, placing all of their faith and trust in him alone for salvation. Father, hide me behind the cross that you might do what only you can do. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In verse 23 again, So after arranging a day with him, many came to him at his 
lodging from dawn till dusk. He expounded and witnessed about the kingdom of God, tried to persuade them by concerning about them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. And the first thing I want to share with you comes from that verse this morning, and it's this. Are you sharing your story? Isn't it ironic? Here we are, Paul, right? Got the shipwreck, got a Malta, but now we're at this place where he's got a, he literally opens up a two-year ministry. Remember what he is. He's a prisoner. But look what God did. God, in a sense, opens up a missions hub that freely for two years, the ministry is coming to him. Isn't that, I mean, only God can do that. Are you right now at that place where if God sends the ministry to you, first of all, are you willing to accept that and be faithful to it? Are you willing, okay, question, are you willing to share your story? Are you willing to share what God has done in your life? You don't have to have some huge, long, and I think that's one of the the problems that bothers me, even about our convention, because they have these committees that are together all the time to figure out a way to do what's been happening for all of time and eternity. We don't need another program. We don't need another book. We've got the book. It's the Bible. And the problem is the Bible has for some reason taken a back seat and we just need another program. We need another this, we need another that. No, we need what works and the Bible works from cover to cover. It's the transforming work of God because it's the word of God. And that's what needs to happen. We need to get back and do a checkup from the neck up. And remember, I'm not targeting anybody in here who's doing a Bible study. What I'm targeting is people who substitute a Bible study for the Bible. Don't let somebody else's revelation and what God led them into to be the replacement theology of your life. That's what God spoke to them. Get in the word and allow God to speak to you. You're in a different place than they're at. You're in a different season of your life than they're at. But when you do that first and foremost, there's nothing wrong with the icing on the cake being a Bible study or somebody you really admire that you are encouraged by and challenged by. There's nothing wrong with that. But the thing that bothers me is people use that as the replacement for God's word and then don't understand why they're not hearing the voice of God. It's because they're allowing God to speak through somebody else, not to the issues that they're dealing with. It's the issue that that person was confronting. Yes, we may have like issues, but God desires to speak to us. How do we know that? Because he did away with the priesthood and replace that with the eternal high priest Christ which gave us all of us as followers of Christ the ability to go boldly into his presence meaning he removed the dividing wall as we see all throughout Old Testament we're not going through the priesthood anymore that's why it's heartbreaking for me when I hear about denominations that have a priesthood and people are still going to an earthly priest to confess sin what in the world have you lost your mind? God did away with the priesthood so we could one-on-one -on -one talk to him and go boldly into his presence. He desires to hear from us the same way that God heard from Adam in the Garden of Eden. God desires to walk with us. And that's why I'm excited this morning because we have this ability, this privilege. But are you utilizing that? 
And are you sharing your story as the outflow of your relationship with Christ and the blessing of God's work in your life? Is that outflowing in the sense of an obedience and sharing your story with other people? Again, you don't have to have some magic formula. You don't have to have, well, let me go get my book so I can, can tell you. No, you just need the Word of God. That's all. That's all you need. You want the greatest discipleship manual on the face of the earth? Just pull your Bible out. You've got it right there. You want to grow better than anything in the world? Oh, not a six-point approach to spiritual growth. Yeah, I'll give you a one-point approach to it. Read the Bible. And that's the only one you need. Well, I mean, I need to know that's all you need. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, get a concordance if you need some help with the words. But when we think that something else is going to help us understand God's will for us, you know who we're backseating, right? The Holy Spirit. Because do you realize that you and I can read the Bible and not really understand what it says, and the Holy Spirit can speak clear and he's ever spoken to us? Because God's desire is for us to get in his word, and God speaks like no one and anything ever can. And I think what happens is when we get lulled into the false belief system that I need something to tell me what the Bible says, we are saying, Holy Spirit, sorry, I love it, you're wonderful, you're great, but they'll help me do what you promised to do. And I don't think that's ever going to work. It never has. And again, I think it's why we're in the quandary that we're in as in modern Judeo-Christianity, why we're in, I'm saying that universally, that's why we're in the mess that we're in right now. But again, are you sharing your story just like Paul? What a demonstration of that. Even in, as a prisoner right now, he was able to, from, you ready? Dawn till dusk. Think about that ministry level with which he's doing. From dawn till dusk every day, he's sharing the gospel literally with people, sharing his testimony, persuading them concerning Jesus. What he's doing is sharing the gospel truth the basic gospel message right there, going out and making disciples, as Scripture calls us to do. And then verses 24 through 28 again. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others didn't believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit correctly spoke to the prophet Isaiah, to your ancestors, when he said, go to these people and say, you will listen and listen, yet never understand. You will look and look, yet never perceive for the hearts of these people have grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing. And they have shut their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and be converted, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this saving work of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. After he said these things, the Jews departed while engaging in a prolonged debate amongst themselves. The second thing I want to share with you this morning is this. Not all will believe but it's worth it for those who will. You're going you're gonna to run into people that you know, ask you to share your story, and you share your story, and no matter how much you try to convince them, they're just not going to get it. They're not going to, they don't want it. They are either, a, they, you know, I'm just not, I don't, I don't get it, I don't understand it. I'm going to just tell you something. Is there any amount of convincing that you and I can give someone that's going to convince them of something they don't want? What have I always said, week in and week out? It's one thing I can't do, because if I could, I'd do it right now. If I could make everyone in this building absolutely bananas in love with Jesus, I would snap my fingers or whatever it would take to do that, and I'd, it'd be done. Because what would happen? The rest of everything would fall into place. 
Remember with the church of Ephesus, remember? Uh, you have lost your first love, right? What is the first love? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. That's what the scripture says. So when that is in the proper order, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, everything else falls in place. Why is that? Because when you love God, you're going to love the people in your life. You're going to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're going to do the right thing at work. You're going to do the right thing at home. You're going to do the right thing when nobody's looking. When you love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Because the essence with which you live your life will be to bring glory and honor to his name. Is that your desire this morning? Is your desire this morning to in him everything you do, you live, move, and have your being, and you realize that this morning? Do you want the very essence of your life to glorify Christ? And whether you're in the car by yourself, whether you're on a a church or a, a work trip somewhere out of town that nobody knows you, are you doing the right thing when nobody's watching? Or, as you've heard me say, are you living a facade? You've got your Sunday, right? Your Sunday, okay, oh, there's my Sunday outfit. We got to church. All right, let's not talk bad anymore. We're going to church. Or, as you know, you're fighting like dogs coming down Longview Road, and you get to the Joe Neal's Corner down here, we call it. And, all right, got to comment that. We'll take this up after church. I've seen a few fights and still go down the road. I can see your car swerving when you're coming down the road trying to calm down. Yep, but I won't tell you who you are. I just saw some eyes get real big. But it's ironic how that statement I say about the corner down here, how many people said, how'd you know that? I know how the enemy works. Don't think I didn't have fights like we used to have. We stopped riding together. We don't fight anymore on Sunday mornings. That's true. We had too many people. We had to split them up. But I remove any avenue with which the enemy can cause discord to the best of my ability But the thing about it is, that's what happens, though. And the sad thing is, we don't even realize that that's an an attack that actually is very effective. Because when you fight all the way to pulling in the parking lot, do you know how much of this morning is going to reach your ears, your heart, your eyes, and everything else? You're in there mattering a wet hen. I'm good. Oh, I've done thought about four more points I can make in my argument. By the way, you know what happens when you get outside and get back in the car? You remember none of them. And by the way, the argument doesn't even make you wonder, what were we arguing about earlier? I don't even know. You know why you don't remember it? Because it was nothing more than spiritual warfare. You missed it. You missed the boat. You missed the ability to even see it for what it was when you started down there at Three Corners Market or wherever it was that you started arguing about some foolishness that didn't matter. You failed to see it for what it was then when going, wait a minute, stop. What are we doing? We're going to worship. None of this matters. None of this matters. We're going to worship. We're going to keep our heart in a state of worship. And not only that, when you come in and you miss the ability to be ministered to, then how is it going to work when what? Not all will believe, but it's worth it for those who will. What are you going to miss this morning that you could apply to your life and tomorrow you would see that or hear that statement somebody makes and pick up on it and go, hey, you know, the pastor mentioned that yesterday. Uh, You want to talk? You want to pray for you? What can I do? But you never even got it because you missed even hearing the thing in the first place because something distracted you from hearing 
what you would have heard or something someone would have said that would have triggered when you heard that on Monday or any day of the week the next week. These are attacks. Remember, what it is? we are in a what? A war. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, spiritual warfare is, is occurring all around us. And we've got to realize that. And what is it? What is the, the true reason for it? To prevent us from being effective in carrying out the Great Commission. That is merely a tactic with which he's trying to make us unable to do anything else to affect any other person's life. He can't change the fact that we've come to faith in Christ, but if he can prevent us from being effective, imagine what that does for the person that we know right now in our family. All right, remember, all right, you're sitting here mad, think about, what, well, I'll tell you what, I can't believe her, can't believe him. All right, during invitation, you got a call to pray for one of those family members. I'm not praying, I'm, I'm so mad, I can't pray this morning. Missed an opportunity to pray for that lost loved one, that lost child, that lost mother, that lost father, that lost friend, right? Why? Because pride has got you so mad you won't even pray. These are effective tools. About that other effective tool, doing the right thing the wrong way. Instead of the God's word, using a Bible study, not allowing the Holy Spirit the ability to speak to your life, removing that equation from it, then we wonder why the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us. Because we hadn't invited the Holy Spirit to the game. We've been listening to somebody else's revelation that God had to their life, their heart, their spirit, but the Holy Spirit, we sit over there in the corner because we didn't need the whole. Remember, we needed somebody else to explain it to us. Instead of the Holy Spirit burning and affirming the truth of God's word in our life, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not into our own understanding and all of our ways, acknowledge him. He will direct our paths. A lot to think about, church, isn't it? Just like Paul, sitting here on, in Rome right now, remember, this is the culmination of his life. He's ultimately, in short order, going to give his life for the truth, the gospel. He knows it. He's well aware. He's embracing the very concept of it. He went on this journey knowing he was going to end up here because this was the culmination of his life to fulfill God's purpose and plan for his life. See, that's God's purpose and plan for our life, to carry out his creative purpose that God divinely established our life for. I got a really interesting call yesterday. This is from a person who's unchurched, and they said, hey, uh, I'm, I need to, I've got somebody in the room here who's living in a, I'll just call it an alternative lifestyle. And th there's been a lot of things they've gotten victory over in their lives. They've, they've gotten some really, you know, they've, they've beat some things and this, that, and the other. And they just said, can you please explain to them why this lifestyle they're wanting to live in is counter to biblical truth? And I said, well, I'll do the best I can. Let me just share you this. I said, first of all, you got to understand what the Bible is. The Bible is this. It is the framework with which the greatest level of fulfillment that can be achieved by any one human being is found. So if you live your life according to what the Word says, you are going to be fulfilled like no one else could ever fulfill you or anything could ever fulfill you. And 
The Bible does not hinder you from anything that will add and make your life more fulfilling. Nothing. The only thing the Bible does is withhold things from us that will hurt us, harm us, and never allow us to reach our full potential spiritually like God has desired and designed us to be fulfilled. I said, so God doesn't want to withhold anything good from us. If God's desire was for us to live in other lifestyles, we would be able to procreate because that's what God, we've got to continue the human race, and God would have all these other ways that we were able to do it, but God's unique plan is the way that God's word, and again, this is how the fulfillment is found. The person was extremely complimentary, saying, I've never heard anything like that. That makes total sense. Thank you. Now, that's another way I could have gone in there. All of this other stuff's just an abomination. And let's, let's deal with the issue. Let's not sit around and start hurling our little slogans that we like to hurl sometimes as Christians that are completely, in my opinion, completely, Completely more harmful to Christianity than anything else is because God's word will give you the reason for why something should or should not be done. What is it? God's design for his creation is just like the owner's manual to a car. What have I told you about before? You don't take a Toyota Prius and go four wheeling in it, do you? What happens? You go nowhere fast. Why? Well, not only is the suspension not made for it, but that thing, you can't get on wet grass and get out of it. You're going to have it, if you get it in that much mud, it's going to be sitting on the frame. The designer's intention was not for that to function like that. Now, I've got a 95 Toyota single cab four-wheel drive pickup truck. You know what the designer said? Take it anywhere and everywhere. Why? Because it'll go anywhere or in, in everywhere. It was the architect, the designer's intention for the truck to go any and everywhere. It can go in sand. It can go in snow. One of the best on ice. You would never think that. Ask uh, Mr. Oberly's. Oh, you didn't hear this morning. Everybody's all locked up over there on the um, road you guys work on, uh, live on, Brother Jackie. was Hall's Mills. Everybody's stuck beside the road. I rolled up in there, hooked on to Mr. Oberly's and pulled him out of the ditch. And everybody's watching like, how in the world is this truck going down the road and everybody else has slid off of it? I don't know how it works, but it worked. But the thing about it is we've got to function within the intended plans for our life or whatever it is in our lives we have. That's the reason that we are given owner's manuals, how to function and how to operate. That's what the Bible is, church. The Bible is the owner's manual to us living the fulfilled life that God designed us to be fulfilled in and the, the life that God intended for us to live. But see, all those that hear the truth are not going to believe it. We can't be responsible for making someone believe what they don't want to believe. All I could do yesterday was share the truth, just like Paul was doing there, sharing the truth. What they do with that truth is exclusively up to them. And it's not our business. If somebody doesn't want to hear the truth, to start yelling behind them, turn or burn. 
It's not conducive. That does nothing. All that does is destroy the ability you have to pray and allow God to work in somebody's heart. Some of the, the greatest weapons we have as believers is laying someone down in prayer that doesn't want to hear any more words. You've got to know, and I need to know, when it's time to be quiet. Uh, what is it? There's a time and season for everything under heaven. We've got a <laughs> scripture that says it, doesn't there? And there's time to be quiet. When you've said all you can say, it's time to be quiet and allow the real power of God to be manifest. How does that happen? When we get on our faces before God and go boldly into his presence and pray for someone who does not want to hear what you or I have to say. And the act of love that we have is to pray them into the kingdom. And I'm so thankful that God's given us that avenue. Now, listen, uh, we'll look at verses 9 and 10 again. So he stayed for two whole years, ready, in his own rented house. And he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is so awesome, with full boldness and without hindrance. So not only is, in a sense, he under house arrest, but God's given him this ministry with which he's able to be bold and proclaim the kingdom of God without hindrance. What a gift that God gave Paul. I've heard some of you share with me how in your workplaces you're able to share without hindrance. On Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm able to share without hindrance. I know others of you have difficult work circumstances where you're not able to proclaim without hindrance. That's okay. You know why? You just do what you can do. Pray that God will continue to open avenues for you. And at the end of the day, God has a reason and a purpose that you're there. But imagine now we get this mindset of, you know what, I'm, I'm going to quit because that, they just, uh, you know, they, I just don't like it there. It's uncomfortable. Uh, you know, people aren't acting the way I want them to act, and I got to get out of there. All right, here you are, Paul. I'm done. I'm sick and tired of getting beaten. I'm sick and tired of getting put in prison. I'm sick and tired of getting con I'm sick and tired of being accused of things that I haven't done. Everywhere I turn, people are lying about me. They're slandering me. I got beat for doing the right thing. I got put in prison and I'd done nothing wrong. I'm Paul right there. You see where I'm going? If we're not faithful to the ministry, no matter what, by the way, Scripture we can look at it, and I'll share with you in depth if you'd like to, about the gift of suffering. Suffering for what? The name of the Lord. As a matter of fact, Scripture says, consider yourself blessed when you suffer, the Bible says, for the name. The name, what name? Name Christ. You have been found worthy to suffer for the name. So, if all throughout Scripture... Men and women have suffered for the truth of the gospel in order to share the gospel. Why is there an American phenomenon that we run from anything that causes us to suffer for the truth? Because if you're suffering, it's going to be in that avenue there. Because that's what we most often deal with is people who have an issue with what we are as Christians. Why is it that we've built this theology that says we run the same way that we run from spiritual growth. Oh no, if, if there's trials and tribulations, that's, 
You know, God, what's going on? Why is this happening? Instead of realizing James chapter 1, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because perseverance must finish its work so you will be complete, not lacking anything. I don't want the person working on my car, my body, or anything else who hasn't learned through trial and error how to do it right. Everything is learned through trial and error, isn't it? Nobody in here, if you're skilled at what you do, did everything right all the time. If so, something's wrong, right? We learn things. Oh, I'm a, a driver, a truck driver, car driver, right? Oh, yeah, I remember curving at that time, and it cost me 300 bucks to replace my rim or whatever. I uh, wasn't paying attention. I ran into that pothole, and it cost me 600 bucks because I had to get a rim and a tire or whatever it might be. You learn things, don't we? Anybody know what school that is? It's called the School of Hard Knocks with which I've got a Ph.D., Anybody else? Spiritually, it's the same way. So we might be complete, not lacking anything, as a process with which God is refining us, growing us, preparing us for what we're going through. He's teaching us. We go through valleys. We often think, I don't understand the reason for them. Well, God's preparing us for something in order to minister to someone or there's a potential that a valley we're going to go through at a different time may be much deeper than the one we're going through. God has all these different reasons for doing what he does. Paul's was in preparation for eternal glory, meaning he was going to die, killed for the name of Christ. His desire, as a matter of fact, long before this was to what? I desire to depart, which is by far much greater. He realized that God had to work for him, but Paul was ready to die. I, he was ready to go, as any Christian should be. Why do we not have a fatalistic approach, though? Meaning, you know what? I'm going to go jump off the side of a mountain. If it's my time, I'm going to go. No, that's not God's plan for us. You should be ready to go, spiritually speaking, and you should be faithful to finish the work that God has for you, not to test and tempt the Lord your God, because we know that that's, again, contradictory to Scripture. See, God works out the details, the third and final thing this morning God works out all the details. Just be faithful on the journey. Every single day you wake up, it's a new leg of the journey of life. It's going to culminate and complete one day in glorification, meaning the day that we breathe our last breath is the process of glorification. We go from salvation, sanctification, which is now you're living, and then one day it'll be glorification. See, God's working out the details just like he did with Paul, giving him this amazing ministry opportunity shortly before he dies. What a blessing. He doesn't promise all of us that. There may be people in this room that have very difficult ends in life. Uh, we don't know. We, we know how life is. And, but we know the promise of God's word that all things work together for good. That's one of the resounding themes of Scripture, and we have the promise of Scripture and we also have, we even saw that this morning in our, with Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and how that works into it. How God just so profoundly does such amazing things unto what? Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that what works in us. I, I come back around to my statement about reading God's word in the Holy Spirit because... How can the Holy Spirit do these works when we're not in God's word? How can God grow us when we're not in his word? How can God prepare us when we're not in God's word?
A lot of questions to ask ourselves. And again, I'm not here to be involved in the diminishing returns, right? A lesson in diminishing returns, meaning the more you do, the less you get. I'm old enough in life where I don't have time to play those kind of games anymore. Anybody else? Amen? So I want to engage in things that have substantive value. Substantive value. That's one of the reasons that God's word continues to be a continual part of my life every single morning when I wake up because I know that I am not going to engage in uh, a lesson in futility, meaning a lesson in nothingness. I'm not going to be a hamster on a wheel getting nowhere fast, right? I don't have time for that, and I would assume if you're rational and reasonable, you likewise don't have the time for that. Hence the picture of Paul again. And God works all of the details out. All we've got to do is be faithful to do our part. You want God to speak to you? Get in his word. You want God to lead you? Get in his word. You want God to give you insight into things that you know right now you don't have any understanding about? Get in his word. Do you want to stand firm and stand the test of time down the road when you are placed in a situation that if you were to see it right now, it would absolutely horrify you? Get in the word and stay in the word. Because God will do his part. Not only when he brings us to the place where, like Paul here, having to testify for the gospel, what do I know beyond a shadow of a doubt? Paul had every word that he ever needed to speak to each person that came into his presence. Why? Because the scripture says that, it th hey, the Holy Spirit will speak. It won't even be our words. I'm paraphrasing right now, but that's what the scripture says. That we won't even have to worry about what to say when God has us testifying to the truth. God will literally put the words in our mouths. Anybody ever experienced that? I have. I've had God have me say things. Ready? One of the bigger ones. There's been things up here when somebody said, hey, I know that you, uh, you do manuscript. Would you, would you tell me what you were saying? Because I didn't understand it. They'll start, they'll tell me a little bit. I said, I don't even remember that. That was not in the manuscript. What? That's called a God thing, and you can thank the Lord for that. It has nothing to do with me. You can go back and listen to it and take from it what you will. That's the, 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 the wild part about what God does. It's just like one Sunday, a Mother's Day message on Proverbs 31. At the end of the service, I'm standing at the back of the church. It's in our old building. And a man comes back weeping, grabs a hold of me and says, man, God just broke me, convicted me. I need to give my life to Christ. And I wanted to stop and say, what? This is a Mother's Day message on a faithful wife. How in the world did God nail you and convict you through a message to the women on being a faithful wife? You know what I realized? That was very early on in ministry. I'm not speaking. The Holy Spirit of God can take a message to females and nail a man to the heart. Hence my statement again about replacing the Bible with a Bible study. God will do his work. He does it through his word. And again, the promise of God's word is this. It will not return void. Meaning, it will not, without a purpose and a reason, not accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. We see that in the life of Paul. Live like Paul. Live like Paul. What is that? 
Doesn't matter what your past is. Look at this guy here. We, we know is Saul on the road to Damascus, a murderer. A guy who was over the killing of people. How many people here would trust that to be one of your ministers? Imagine if your pastor right now, hey, yeah, yeah, years ago I killed, uh, you know, I was in charge of killing 60 people, but hey, man, I'm really a good guy now. It'd be kind of hard, wouldn't it? But that's what, what Saul is, Paul. Paul was a man that hunted Christians down, imprisoned them, had them beaten. And we know from Stephen, one most notably, at the stoning of Stephen, they were throwing their coats, which means he was the overseer of it. They were throwing their feet at a man named Saul. Saul. Look what God did. Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. Is that where you're at this morning? Are you forgetting the messes you've made in life, the disasters that maybe you were? Maybe you, you've realized that you've been replacing God's word with the Bible study and God's convicted you that this morning. That's not my words, that's God's. God's word. Don't let the thought, oh, Brother Jonathan, you didn't, I didn't. That's the spirit of God that's working in your heart. Today, maybe you need to lay aside the allowing others to be your spiritual catalyst and allow the word of God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God to lead, to guide, to direct you into his perfect plan, path, and will for your life. As we finish this up, it's, again, I hope you will continue studying through the book of Acts. I hope you continue going to it. I hope you continue to dig. I hope you're months behind and slowly going through to greater grow in the likeness of Christ. But I hope one of the biggest takeaways from this, this study through the book of Acts has been, the bigger part of this, more than anything, has been God's faithfulness. And you can even tie into that hymn that I love to share with you quite often, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. God has been faithful to us. I know he has to me. Has God been faithful to you? If so, not, not a God problem. My question to you this morning is, God will answer. God will lead you. God will guide you. God will direct you. But are you allowing him to? And then are you following God's lead? The final stage we're all going to get to one day. And I call it the final stage. I mean, the last hurrah, the final curtain call, whatever you want to call it, meaning there's going to be a day that a doctor comes in and says, I need you to sit down. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's your wife, your child. Maybe some of you have experienced that. Some of us in this room are going to get a call in the middle of the night. Hey, um, we need you to come down to the hospital. There's a family member that's been killed. There's going to be others of us that hear from the doctor one day, hey, you have terminal cancer, you have whatever. There's going to be others that don't have any of that. You're going to be just driving through an intersection somewhere and someone who either runs a red light or you run a red light or as hydroplane your car. There's going to be a lot of different things in life that can happen. My question is, are you ready for the final curtain call? Because there's no, the sad part about it in most instances, there's really not a warning. There's never a time when you quote-unquote say, I'm, I'm ready, but you can be. Meaning, prayed up, packed up, you're living every day like it's your last, but also living like you're going to live another 100 years. You're being faithful to do what God's given you with what God's given you and the time that God's given you. Maybe you're here this morning going, you know, Brother Jonathan, I hadn't even thought about it. I'm not ready. 
And maybe because you've been playing around spiritually speaking, you've been just apathetic and different. Maybe it's that thing you don't like to think about because death is that thing people don't want to think about. The only problem with that is it's coming whether you want it or not. It's going to hit one day. So why don't you get ready now so you can remember, don't be dying to live. Be living to die. Because when you live to die, you live life with a greater purpose for God's glory and you end up living a life worth living. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. God, thank you for the truth of it. Thank you, Father, that this morning you know exactly where we're at. God, what we're battling, our struggles, our hurts, our insecurities, Lord, our fears. You know all of them. And God, I'm so thankful for that because we can be honest with you. You're trustworthy. You are ever faithful. Father, I pray this morning that your word has not only been proclaimed, but God, we know it will not return void. So wherever and whatever it's done this morning in our heart of hearts, I pray during this invitation, Lord, that anyone who hears these words, whether it's in this building or online, would listen to whatever it is that you're trying to do with them this morning. God, there is no greater purpose than living out your creative purpose. And I pray that each person in this room right now, hearing this voice and online, is doing that. But if not, I pray during this invitation, Lord, that they will confess it for the sin that it is not doing that. And they will get to the place where they realize this morning and as they pray and, and confess the sin of not doing what you want them to do, Lord, they can commit to doing that today. Father, for ones here today that have decisions, they don't know what to do, I pray today they would commit those to prayer. They would stay in your word, God, and let you lead, guide, and direct them as your word promises you will in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 when we do that. For ones here today that say, God, I know that you are God. I know that you sent Jesus to die for me, but I've never genuinely, truly come to faith in Jesus Christ. And God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do that. God, if that's today, someone in this room or watching online, I pray today would be the day of salvation. Father, one of the worst things we can do, though, is believe that we have tomorrow. Believe that we have next week, next month, or we'll finally get things straightened out down the road. Lord, help us all realize that your word says life is but a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. And God, I pray that we'll live in this life that you've given us in light of that, realizing how quickly it can be shattered and snatched away from us. Father, may you be glorified during this time of invitation. Lord, I pray that there will not be one thing that you're trying to do in our hearts and lives that is not dealt with this morning and we would leave here in obedience to the Great Commission and where you desire us to be so we can be a lighthouse in this broken, lost, and dying world. We commit all this to you, and we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.